0: episode 11 of From the Platform. I'm Tom Peel. I'm Naomi. And this week we're talking about transactional analysis and emotion-focused therapy.
1: And um, so there are two things that come up in counselling, I think particularly in couples counselling. And Tom, you wanted to do the next podcast using these podcast, ideas. Yes. And why do you think they would be useful for this podcast, which is about self-awareness and facilitating good conversation?
0: Because when you look at some of the scenarios put forward in transactional analysis, you can see quite clearly some of the interactions that we have uh, in the Ecclesia, especially when we're having challenging conversations. And I think it's good to be aware of how those transactions work and the dynamics that are at play within them so that you can potentially step out of them and have a healthier conversation than the one that you might go on to have.
1: So it helps you identify where the breakdown in certain conversations.
0: Yeah. And and why certain conversations are so frustrating and feel like they're not going anywhere. It's often because you're stuck in this maybe power dynamic.
1: So would you say is well, you can see discussions at church where there's an underlying need that's not being met and actually really mm. at the heart of it, that's what that conversation is about. It's not about the yeah, content of yeah. it so the first one is transaction analysis and it's actually quite interesting because it's the kind of thing once you've got a fairly basic description of it you start to think oh yeah i do that or oh yeah that's what always happens between my mom and my dad or something mm. like that and there's a very good video that we found by an account called Ceremin Trees
0: on youtube on yeah. youtube it has got a three-part video on tra- and transaction analysis it's quite succinct it's got animations and yeah explains it nicely.
1: Hmm. We'll
0: go over some of that in this but
1: look yeah, at that yeah. as well. It's and good. they have a very weird logo so don't be put off by the weird logo. But anyway, they do quite a good description of transactional analysis if you're more of a video person than a book person. So, transactional analysis talks about the idea that when you have a transaction, so a kind con- of a conversation basically, the two people can take on different roles and they call them ego states, but yeah, you can just refer to them as roles. And ideally, two people having a healthy interaction with each other or a healthy transaction should be um, adult to adult. So that's kind of adult with a capital A, as in it's a bit of jargon for this theory. And the idea is two adults can communicate with each other in a mature and self yeah like rational and self-aware way Mm -hmm. but you can also have two other roles that you might take on or different ego states so Mm -hmm. when you're in your most kind of like calm collected sensible rational mindset you're being an adult whereas things can happen or people can say something that provoke you to take on your parent ego state which is when you maybe channel parental Figures in your life,
0: or authority figures in your life, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: and basically you get a bit bossy,
0: yeah, and, and what's start, the other, yeah, maybe teaching people and talking mm-hmm. down to them stuff.
1: And what's the other ego state? The thing? other one
0: is where you channel your needs through a child like state, or you respond to someone as a child because maybe they are parenting you, mm-hmm. and that's how you know how to respond to somebody.
1: So, it's the child ego state mm-hmm. that you can be in. So, an example. Of, of an adult-to-adult adult ego state would me be saying to Tom, oh, we forgot that the laundry is in the washing machine. And Tom would say, oh, yeah, I forgot about that too. Let's go and get it. Let's go and get the laundry out. Mm. And whereas I could so be... So you could
0: say that and I could go to my child's and I go, oh can, oh, can you go and do you mind if you go down and do it? Oh, I can't <laughs> be and i get all kind of needy and
1: yeah I that's time kind i of like looking for care and saying yeah. i can't oh, possibly do that do
0: <laughs> or i could go to parents dating it well why didn't you remember come on you you should have remembered like yeah, why don't you set put an alarm an alert on your phone yeah. or something? and uh, yeah and so you can have different responses to things but ideally yeah you'd you'd be rational and acknowledge okay mistakes happen this is not a big deal either Let's go and do the Let's washing.
1: Let's work on it together, indeed. Um, so... Uh, Another example of A non-adult to adult interaction Is um, say if someone Gets to work late and their boss Tells them off so the boss Is kind of taking on the parental State Mm, maybe in front of their Other colleagues as well yeah yeah so you can Be parental in a kind of appropriate way Because sometimes you do have a parental role Towards another person if you do have a higher Authority than them Mm. but someone assuming Their parental ego state Towards another person can like provoke A reaction in you
0: Mm. so yeah. You could, you could become a complicit child in that situation. Go, oh, I'm really sorry. Oh, I won't do it again. I'm, I oh, know. Yeah. Don't tell me off. I'm, you know, you're kind of groveling almost and like acknowledging their authority, acknowledging their power and kind of maybe bowing your head to it. That's when you become a, a, a child. Uh, you could become a, a child as well and be like um, a rebellious child. Maybe that would become a bit obnoxious and, Uh, be like yeah 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 all right keep your hair on like chill out old timer and and like saunter through and
1: be like yeah yeah go uh, and have a gossip about them to your colleague yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so that's a parent to child so you can react in a childlike way in again in different ways we don't need to go into it in too much detail but certain combinations are complementary as in the two people are happy to take on those roles and your Mm -hmm. your transaction kind of carries on
0: so what's the complementary transaction in that one that's parent
1: to child parent
0: to complicit child isn't it where everyone's acknowledging the the power yeah they're happy with their roles
1: but you can have a crossed transaction so if the boss is trying to be the parent to their employee but then their employee decides no you're not going to talk to me like that. I'm going to parent you and tell you off.
0: Yeah, yeah, which is different to a rebellious child. It's not being snarky. It's actually trying to up one, and be like, "How dare you talk to me like that? You should have far more respect for your employees." I'm going to maybe bring a tribunal case against you and like up the ante and, until someone backs down. And maybe the boss will back down, and they they then become the child and go, "Oh no, no, no! Listen, look, I'm sorry if I offended you. Uh, just let's put this water under the bridge. Carry on." <laughs>
1: Um so that's a cross transaction where someone had to kind of switch roles and it all got a bit awkward. Yeah. yeah. Um so and but very briefly you could also have parent to parent which is kind of manifesting maybe gossiping about s- about another person so you're both parenting another person like, oh mm. my goodness can you believe i definitely saw them hoarding toilet rolls <laughs> <laughs> might be able to date this episode from that comment <laughs> and then tom would be like yeah well you know what they're not very organized so and i saw them
0: go out twice for a run
1: oh my goodness i knew they were the sort or it might be a kind of pastoral thing of like oh so-and-so had to balk buy toilet rolls and Tom would say something like, oh, yes, well, I know they can only get out once a month. They're not very well. Oh, well, do you think we should maybe organise deliveries for them? Yes, let's do that. So it's mm-hmm. kind of there's a positive and a negative to it.
0: So there's also child to child, which is where in your childlike state you can be creative and playful and someone else can join you in that childlike state and be playful and creative as well. And that's when you're literally playing games or when you're maybe doing something creative like music or arts. You, you can.
1: Or just being silly,
0: yeah. i just being silly,
1: Tom's favored <laughs> ego state,
0: <laughs> being a bit silly. Um, yeah, I, and so that I do relate to that because when I was younger in social gatherings, I'd go around having transactions with people looking for someone else who was in their child state. Essentially, I'd be going around like throwing up something like doing something silly. Will oh, this person join in with me? No, move on. Do something silly with this person. Oh, they appear to be doing something silly as well. I will stay here and be silly with this person and it will be fun.
1: <laughs> Nobody else is being very parental and gossiping about
0: you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I'm in a sandpit <laughs> making sandcastles.
1: Um, so that's very briefly the kind of roles and transactions that you can have in transaction analysis. And the immediate application to church life so this came up when we had been sort of like reading about this we've been learning about that then we went to bible class and we listened to a recorded talk mm. and uh, it was by a speaker who was very authoritative with everything they said and um afterwards yeah. one of our members who's she's a fantastic character she said you know what i liked everything that he said but i didn't like the way that he said it i feel yeah. like i want to say stuff Screw you! No, I don't want to. Yeah, yeah, and it, that was really that was really yeah, interesting because yeah, yeah. we looked at each other like, yeah, it's the parent bringing out the rebellious child in yeah, yeah, in yeah, that yeah. lady who is like who is having a real conflict of yes, I agree with him, but I'm really annoyed. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we can have I think when when brothers speak, they are channeling what they've seen other mm. people do. They're channeling yeah, an yeah. authoritative figure Taking standing standing at the front. And yeah, taking on a character of a of a parent expounding to people what they've discovered in the in the Bible, and and yeah, that can come across as very parental, and it can elicit different responses from yeah. people in the audience.
1: So we listened to a talk the other day, and there was a statement that started basically started off with "I well, I hope you didn't fill in the blanks," and for Tom, and definitely another person that I spoke to, it made them kind of say, "Well." Actually, maybe I did. And You're not going to tell me what to do, and maybe I'll do it next time as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas for other people, that was people. me being a rebellious child. Indeed. In that so, it, so that parental style of speaker might bring out a rebellious child in you. Which or, means I would
0: never go to that person and go, you know what? Actually, I I did do what you said. Yeah, we yeah. Do, you I'd just kind of keep quiet about me, it. Yeah. Uh, as a whisper it to them, like, well, actually, well, yeah,
1: this is. And you'd both be rebellious children together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it, you might be kind of complicit and say. Oh, Oh, of course, yes. No, no, no. I'll never do that. No, no, no. Never, never, never. No. Nope. Okay, I've decided in my head. I'm never ever going to do that because this, you know, parental figure has told me so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you could it could provoke you to be kind of parental as well and go, oh yes, I completely agree. <gasps> and you know what? Who I think did do that. thing. <laughs> so it's it's so just generally that style of speaking. And and obviously delivering talks is not everyone's cup of tea. And some people do just have to take on a persona to do that. So it's you know we're not kind of saying everybody's got to stop doing that because that's that would be an unreasonable Mm. thing but it's just being aware of those are the kind of reactions and it does make me think of faith so that kind of thing makes me think if it provokes you to be a rebellious child it's not great for your faith because then you're not very united with that other person Mm. if you're being a complicit child are you just doing something out of fear and actually Mm. or
0: or for someone else's approval yeah exactly which is basically
1: the recipe for a a terrible existential crisis later on
0: yeah
1: being parental uh, like joining in in a bit of like oh yes no I agree and I, that person definitely did that Yeah, or that person bit... definitely thinks that I saw it on their blog that kind of thing again that's not a very a healthy way to have relationships with other mm-hmm. people
0: makes me think about street preachers like I imagine like people that are preaching the street hmm. they just don't get a reaction from so many people because it's just
1: it's horrible to experience it's horrible yeah. like someone
0: shouting at you it's yeah. like oh yeah I agree with the sentiment of some of the things you're saying. But this is not the way to talk yeah. to people. people. And
1: they almost want to go up and argue with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> For the sake of it, yeah. yeah. So that was the first example that we thought of. And then another one was, so going a little bit deeper into transactional analysis, the, the bloke, is his name Eric Byrne? Is it Eric yeah. Burn? Yeah. His book is written in the 80s. So it's quite funny and qu- now quite dated when you read it.
0: The games people play, at school. Yeah.
1: So he describes these different roles, but then he goes into past... He calls them pastimes and games that... Our typical descriptions of dysfunctional or like common interactions that we have with each other and a really funny one is the why don't you yes but game mm-hmm. it's the first example that we heard that made us think like oh yeah like we have all been there
0: so yeah the why don't you yes but game is often started from somebody who's channeling their childlike states they're being quite needy they may be saying oh i've got this problem at work and it's really annoying me And kind of maybe saying it in a way that sounds like they want you to come along and help them or give them a solution and provide them with um, an answer to their problem and to help them, like a child needs help. And so you go, oh, okay, well, um, have you tried speaking to your line manager does this person act like this with anybody else Have you spoke to blah 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 and you like provide them with like different options and different solutions but each time you provide a solution they'll go yeah well but yeah my line managers i don't really get on very well with them either and or well other people have kind of hinted at it but i don't know if it's nothing i want to really kind of blah, blah 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 and you'll set up a solution and they'll knock it down so it's the why don't you provide a solution and then they they do the yes but, and this is the game, this is the, the mm. transaction.
1: So they're provoking you to be a parent towards mm. someone, aren't
0: they? Yeah, and provide them with solutions mm. when probably all that they need is um, for you just to listen to them. Uh, although although their vocabulary and their words are kind of reaching out as a child, it's more of going towards an underlying need of needing some sort of stability, mm. and they're, they're going to the stability of a parent. Uh, that's what they want, but. Just the stability of being listened to is Mm. often all that that person needs as an adult, really.
1: Yeah. And in transaction analysis, there's also a thing called stroking. Where you basically, you just maintain you're both perfectly comfortable in your states that you set up in your transaction and um, you <laughs> it's very weird terminology but you basically stroke each other Yeah. then you're encouraging the other person yeah, yeah. Um, in their ego state <laughs> to, and you kind of maintain where you are but the why don't you yes but thing is really interesting because we've all been there haven't we in that mm. thing of oh my goodness you won't stop complaining about this And then whenever you suggest anything, she'll just say, oh, yeah, but no, yeah, but knock everything down. And the suggestion is that sometimes this is a bit of a power play that the person is setting you up to give them loads of suggestions and actually knock down each of them. Mm. And that alludes to the idea that the content of what you're talking about isn't necessarily what your transaction is about. It's an underlying thing.
0: So an example of this in future Life would be if there's a discussion about um, sexuality going on, someone might set up somebody to say, OK, so what are the reasons that the Bible condemns homosexuality? And... You know, to a particularly conservative person, that conservative person might say, well, it says in Deuteronomy that it's an abomination. And then you, you come and you knock that down and say, well, actually, it says this and you've mis misinterpreted that and they have a rebuttal for it. And like, well, okay, wait, Paul says about it in Romans chapter one, and then they have a rebuttal for that as well. And they'll knock that down. And so it's not a particularly healthy way of because you're kind of setting up this person, say, provide me with your arguments and I'm going to rebut each one.
1: The pattern of this transaction is you're going to say to me and I'm going to say, yeah, but to each one. And in a way... Until it
0: exhausts your Mm. solutions. And at the end of that exhaustion of the solutions, you can say, well, you clearly don't know your Bible very well. And that's when the power play switches from you offering that person to present their solutions to you then belittling them for their lack of appropriate answers fit for your
1: need. Mm. Yeah. And that's a kind of extreme example of like a power play that might be yeah, going yeah, on in yeah, yeah. Um And another example that I thought was when it was maybe the conversation um, about sisters roles and there might be someone, so someone uh, might just really need to just get some stuff off their chest or just is reaching out to the other person to say I'm struggling with this, mm. and yet the other person would say, "Oh, well you know, sisters—they can be Sunday school teachers. They can—they uh, can arrange this. They can do their own Bible study. You can set up a set up a sisters class." And the other person might be going, "Yeah, but I don't have time to set up a sisters class. Yeah, but without a deadline, I find Bible study really difficult. Yeah, mm. but I don't like children. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, know, all that kind of thing." And this leads us on to the emotion-focused therapy, which is something that Dr. Sue Johnson came up with Mm -hmm. and everything that she does is based on attachment theory which is Bowlby so if you did any psychology a level that might be a familiar name Mm -hmm. and it's just about the idea that human attachment is a really really important thing and it's something that underlies all our conversations and um the why don't you yes but game is a really good example of
0: someone wanting some emotional attachment from somebody I want you to listen to me Like in your scenario with the sisters' roles, I'm struggling with this and I want you to hear me out Mm -hmm. without giving me answers.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I think
0: the problem is we're not very eloquent because we, we either revert to a childlike or a parental state. So if you were to come as an adult to that conversation, you would maybe say something like, listen, I know there's loads of things that sisters can do, but I'm really struggling with this apparent inequality that's Mm. part of the structure of our community Mm -hmm. and I want to
1: yeah and I'm just having an emotional reaction as I sift through all of this confusing stuff
0: yeah yeah
1: so that would be a kind of very adult way to approach the transaction but that Mm -hmm. in itself takes a a really high level of self-awareness to think actually this is what I need from this person I'm going to, and also a kind of secure attachment with that person Mm. to ask for it.
0: Yeah. 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 That's really important. So in the sexuality conversation scenario, the way I presented that would suggest that the two people involved don't have a very stable or secure relationship with each other in order for the first person to maybe come to them and say, listen, I know that the traditional interpretations are such and such and such. But I'd like you to listen to another interpretation that I've come across um, that maybe interprets those things very differently. And that that that... requires the other person to really be um, able to handle that as well.
1: Yeah. Or maybe that person just wants acknowledgement of their emotions for someone to say like, oh, this is really confusing, isn't it? I can see for you, this is really hard. Like, oh gosh, yeah, you've got that friend who's very outspoken about this whereas you also attend these things which have people who don't have an issue with these things that must be a real conflict for you that must be really hard and there's a lot of confusing information to like sift through mm-hmm. and all the research from all these different places yeah it must be hard so just to acknowledge Yeah, just an acknowledgement of that. And that's where the listening technique is really useful. It
0: acknowledges the emotions before they come up and disrupt the conversation. If you can do that first and and acknowledge each other's emotions and what what emotions are brought up by the conversation, then hopefully you can have more of an adult-to-adult discussion. One quote from Sue Johnson's book, Hold Me Tight, is if I appeal to you for emotional connection and you respond intellectually to a problem rather than directly to me, on an attachment level, I would experience that as no response. So if I'm coming to you for an emotional connection, I'm, I'm trying to pour out my feelings to you and say how I feel about a subject and you come back with solutions or an intellectual response, it's not going to meet my need to be listened to in that situation. And I'm going to feel like I now have to listen to you and your solutions rather than you listen to me mm-hmm. and my emotional issues, my baggage that I've got with this mm-hmm. topic.
1: So the background to that is the attachment theory and a really awful example of the validity of it is the Romanian orphanage studies. So in the early 90s, Romania was no longer under communist rule. They found that lots of orphans had been put in orphanages and were likely to be kind of understaffed and things, but also basically ran on the ethos that children, just as long as they had, well, barely had like shelter and nourishment that's all they needed and they could just be basically treated almost like farms just like all the cots in one room as long as the babies are fed they're vaguely warm and they get you know their nappies changed occasionally they don't need that um so no one would ever pick them up or rock them or Kind of interact with them and all that kind of thing. And there's lots of studies on these children to show that it had quite profound neurological effects on them. So lots of them had kind of learning difficulties and very, very severe emotional attachment needs. So it's the first time it was really kind of proven because of this horrible situation that had happened. But it was kind of proven that. Emotional need and early attachments and that kind of thing is massively relevant to your physical and emotional life, that this Mm -hmm. isn't just a kind of airy-fairy theory for kind of hippie parents who like to carry their children everywhere. Yeah, so emotion-focused therapy is based on the idea that we need really really secure attachments and there's some quite interesting things that I came across as I was when I was looking at this there's different effects on people who have secure attachments and I'm not sure at the moment really whether it means you know secure parental attachments or secure friendship attachments or whether you need attachments within the context of you know, the place where you may be having a challenging conversation. Mm. But um, so I don't want to kind of overgeneralize things, but some of the comments that came from the research are that if you have secure attachments, you are able to think in a more organized way. You're able to be more coherent and articulated and also see other people as trustworthy. Rogers in 61 found that people had an empowered sense of self. They were good at cognitive exploration and flexibility and they were able to deal with ambiguity. Um, and Kobach and Cole found that uh, someone with secure attachments was able better able to consider alternative perspectives and engage in metacognition which is where you are able to think about thinking so you're able to think about like why you think something and what's affected you in a certain way why
0: you're feeling particularly
1: Well you might react a in a certain that, yeah. way and it means that if you have a secure attachment with someone you're far more likely to self-disclose and assert your own needs which is kind mm-hmm. of to do with that adult to adult way of speaking and just all of those things just struck me as if you don't have those things and you're trying to have a challenging conversation with someone so we've talked about the fact that in a church setting having a challenging conversation is compounded by so many things by fear by someone's history by their community by um
0: yeah your lack of security in that group i guess if you feel like if i bring this topic up do i still have the security i need Mm -hmm. to function in this group
1: yeah, I think what I mean is that the conversations are already really highly emotionally loaded. Mm. And then you've also got the idea of sanctity, that someone's eternal salvation depends on it. Then it's mm. when you have a a document that is inspired by God, all these sorts mm. of things. So they're already really highly emotional conversations. So I think you can generalize this idea to having good attachments with people within your church. Yeah. So that when you do have these already emotionally loaded conversations, you can then use all those skills like being organized and coherent, deal with ambiguity, consider alternative perspectives. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Yeah,
0: it's almost when you think about maybe the formats in which we have conversations, maybe like a, an ecclesial discussion is not a really particularly good way of doing it. It's, it's more about you know having a meal with someone, sharing some time with somebody, getting to know them, and have that time to be able to share your emotional attachments to different subjects before going on to talk about it. One thing that I think works really well, probably works better in smaller groups than big ones is by checking in with each other before you're going to have these conversations. So saying, okay, we're going to talk about sisters roles. Let's go around one by one and say what this means to you. What emotions does it bring out for you? So everyone can be aware that, okay, that person over there, you know, they've they've struggled with this, and they've had a history where X, Y, and Z has mm. happened. The
1: last time they had this discussion in a yeah, meeting, yeah, the ecclesia, it split split. The ecclesia. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it can also be as simple as you might be having this discussion, say, a Bible class, and someone's check-in might be, to be honest, I'm barely cognitively here (laughs) I've had a terrible week I'm really worried about this Um, I'm just here to hang out with you guys because I need this social (laughs) thing so having that kind of honesty is really important Mm. or there might be another person who's kind of thinking I saw this in on the program and I've been waiting all year for this topic to come around I'm so excited to talk.
0: There's certainly that scenario where we've had maybe more of a deconstructionist kind of bible class where we've talked about these things and somebody's gone away thinking oh I just wanted to have that bible class study feeling where it all made sense
1: and we all say nice things at the end yeah Yeah, and it's like
0: it all makes sense it's all rounded off it's a nicely presented talk there's no
1: ambiguity and it makes
0: you go oh yeah what a great study sometimes that's the emotional attachment people need and so when you use a bible class for something else that's a bit more like wobbly and it doesn't tie up neatly Mm. then that person goes away without having that need met. Sometimes that's
1: not what you need on a Thursday night. And so I think,
0: well, sometimes it's just acknowledging that, okay, this is going to be a Bible class that's not going to tie up nicely at the end. Mm -hmm. We're going to have different opinions about it. Uh, Because for me personally, I love that kind of Bible class. I come Mm. away from that feeling really like engaged with. I think for
1: both of us, that's what we would go to Bible class for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Whereas
0: the more kind of rounded, makes sense kind of talk, it's a bit like, okay, yeah been been there done that yeah, kind of I well i i think sometimes well i could have i could have listened to a podcast and gotten mm. that kind of feeling um but I, but it's important to, to note that you need a variation to meet everyone's mm. need in the program like if it's all just one one thing or the other you're not gonna meet everyone's need and unfortunately when we do our bible classes and we have more kind of challenging topics some people just don't turn up because it doesn't appeal to them and, and and maybe they don't get the idea that it's like
1: But also they have an emotional need of Or oh, they yeah. have, you know, yeah, they're being yeah. honest about the fact That I'm not in the headspace for this right oh, now I can't deal, I can't with, deal with this kind yeah, of thing yeah. um, So it makes me think about hearing about I think the idea of women being able to wear trousers To Bible class was asked And then the AB sort of took it away and said Okay, well, we'll arrange some studies about it But studies in terms of a man will go away find the Bible verses on this and do a Bible class talk on it, you know, and it will, and pro- and it will be that, yeah. next March or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's important to remember that the church that we go to is quite a flexible church and has discussions and yeah, things yeah, like that. Yeah. That's For a lot of people, that's not the case. And also, Tom, for you, you are in a position of authority as well in the church that you go to. You're able to kind of suggest things and put things forward and you've got confidence to do that. Whereas some people... Yeah, even the idea of sort of beginning to talk about these things is really difficult because there's Mm -hmm. not even the format to even begin with. The idea of sort of having check-ins and that kind of thing. So I think, yeah, it's just worth thinking about if you are in a church community that doesn't really have space for that. Mm. yeah kind of thinking about how you could move that on or if you feel kind of powerless in your church community that's maybe what you could do in your friendship group in your kind of the group that you talk about spiritual things with or if you do have authority in your church group thinking about that position that you have and maybe kind of using that to make suggestions that are that mean that difficult discussions are facilitated better in these ways and if you notice there is a speaker who speaks in a very parental way maybe think oh so and so will probably have found that quite difficult so I'm, get, I'm gonna go chat to them afterwards and see what mm-hmm. they thought mm-hmm. about it and have it in mind that that person it might really brought out the rebellious child in that person mm-hmm. whether they wanted to or not so there's just different things that even if you don't have that flexibility in your church environment there's different things you could do the only other thing I was going to mention, and this relates back to the listening technique thing that we talked about a while ago, where you just listen to someone, you repeat back what they say, and it also it also comes into um, solution focused brief therapy as well. What's, so, what's that one? That's the one where the idea is that people already know the solution to their problems and you just help them to think of it and then feel empowered to do it. Mm -hmm. So the person who's like, oh, you know, my work is really rubbish. You can use that miracle question, say, "Okay, imagine tomorrow you got up and you went to your dream job describe it to me what Mm. would happen who would you see what time would you arrive you know all that kind of stuff what would your first task be of the day that kind of thing so if you notice you get stuck in a why don't you yes but and you're and you realize you're in the why don't you parental role and you think oh dear this isn't going to get anywhere i'm suggesting all these things but this person isn't going to want any of them because this is just the pattern of the transaction we've got into now well first of all you could recognize that and think actually I'm just going to sympathize with this person I'm going to say gosh that sounds really hard Mm -hmm. you know oh and you don't like that oh no why don't you like that oh gosh that sounds really difficult Mm -hmm. and just sort of just allow them to kind of get it all off their chest and sympathize but also there's another game as Eric Byrne calls it which I think is what would you do if so you could say to that person oh well what what do you think you would do or what ideas have you got which again, the kind of, oh, well imagine if we were going to discuss this in church, like how would you want that to look? Who would you want Mm -hmm. to be there? Would you want it to be at the meeting hall? Would you want it to be at someone's house? Is this a discussion you'd rather have one-to-one with someone and, and yeah, help that person to kind of come up with the ideas themselves. But I think first and foremost, yeah, just let someone get all the emotions off their chest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tom, what do you think about the idea of Christadelphians talking about their emotions? Because <laughs> <laughs> you made a really important an interesting point last time. I think
0: I yeah, yeah. So we often maybe think when we're having these challenging conversations, we don't want emotions to get in the way. Um, but I'd suggest that we probably want to get our emotions out of the way first mm-hmm. um, rather than bottling it up. And trying to have an adult conversation with all these repressed feelings—it's like doing the thing where you check in with each other and making sure those emotions are known in the group first before mm-hmm. then going on. And to And it can be
1: facilitated while you do talk about it. Yeah. Them, more considered. Yeah, while yeah, you yeah.
0: Talk. Be more aware of it because there's always that situation where I know. Yeah, say you're talking about sexuality and someone's very emotional about it, and. You don't know why they're being so emotional, then you didn't realize that they had a family member that was going through mm. those exact issues. And you're like, oh, I just didn't realize that. And I would have been far more sensitive yeah. had I known.
1: Or they react in a very parental way, or yeah, the conversation goes horribly wrong. Yeah. And it's only yeah. afterwards that you find that kind of thing yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think um there can be quite a reaction against the idea of, um, like, including things like psychology and considering people's emotions into Bible study mm. because it's very typically, particularly in Christadelphian history, a very academic thing. So you like to think, well, no, I don't bring any biases and I don't bring any emotion to this. I just mm. read the mm. inspired word of God and I'm able to just pick it up in English and what I read is definitely true. There's often a lot more nuance. We're and far more
0: complicated than that. Aren't exactly, yeah.
1: yeah. And thinking about these things and particularly acknowledging that these things are influencing us and biasing us means you can have a more authentic discussion i think because also if you kind of deny these things early on you've got that danger of you're just pushing them to be dealt with in a non-church environment or to just turn into some kind of crisis much mm-hmm. later on. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think one of the really interesting things about all this self-awareness stuff is, is the more aware you become of yourself, the more sometimes you see how you channel that into your own idea of who God is. Um, so for me, God is very like loving and forgiving, and he wants you to go on a journey and explore things and learn from things, and that's how you mature and develop and become a, a better Christian. But I have to be aware that that's very much me projecting myself onto God, and mm-hmm. in and some your own
1: parental figures as well. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's certainly like the upbringing I had, and I don't want to make God in my image. He needs to be presented in the image that he comes across as through the scriptures. But also, it can go too far the other way as well. If if you think God is a judgmental God who will punish you if you if you make one slip and mistake, then I'd suggest you're potentially projecting your own. Uh, experience of authority onto god and you have to be aware of that as well god is put forward as a father in the bible but i suggest it's a nurturing and loving father not a father figure that is scolding you or wants to be appeased by you by doing good works one thing that's really interesting again from the sue johnson book is that it says when we feel emotionally secure and safely connected with one another we feel more stable we feel better about ourselves and more able to deal with new ideas and information sensibly but those of us with weaker and fraying bonds however the fear can be overwhelming and we are swamped by something called primal panic Um, i I just wanted to highlight the idea of emotional security do we feel emotionally secure in our relationship with god do we feel stable we feel good about ourselves when we think about god i often hear people saying oh god you're so unhappy with us or you're so you're i'm always disappointing you and i wonder if that's like just a projection of someone's childhood onto how they feel about god i'd suggest that actually the work of jesus means that we never have to feel like that before god and um, we don't have to feel like a complicit child or a rebellious child the the crucifixion the the giving of jesus is an act of love to help us understand that equality with God is not something to be grasped. It's not a power play. It's not something that we can earn. It's a gift, and it's a gift that soothes us. It soothes our need to be listened to and and acknowledged, and it gives us something that we can't obtain by ourselves. So, yeah, I feel like although the Bible does present a picture of us as children and God as a father, he's always trying to raise us up, to be more like heirs and co-workers with him. And that maybe translates to the adult-to-adult adult level of communicating with each other. Jesus didn't see equality with God as something to be grasped. It wasn't something to kind of fight for or to kind of try and get power over. It was something that was given to him as a gift, and and he was lifted up. And I don't want to say made equal with God, but that's, that's sort of implied in that statement of not seeing equality as something to be reached out with. You know, Adam and Eve, they reached out for equality with God and to, to tried to grasp it. But uh, it's not something that we need to play games. We don't need to play games with God. He's not playing games with us either.
1: So you can have the more ideal adult-to-adult relationship with God in terms of not needing to feel inadequate, not n- needing to feel judgmental. Mm. You can just be kind of calm and rational and express your needs
0: yeah i think it's similar with with if you have a spouse uh, and a partner or or a really good friend you do things for each other because you love each other not because there's any power dynamic going on when it becomes a power dynamic that's when you need to kind of take a step back and look at what's going on and and say okay i'm being passive aggressive here for for that reason but when when things are done out of love it's like "I, i just want to do this because i love you and i think that's how it is with god he's given us jesus because he loves us and he wants us to respond to that out of love in the same way that if i cooked you a meal i wouldn't want you to then offer to wash up just to keep the scores even it's because i did something loving for you make sense
1: yeah yeah definitely there's no debt to pay yeah Mm -hmm.
0: i think it's also interesting that jesus um when he talks in parables, he's talking at an emotional level in his parables. He's telling stories that elicit an emotional response from people as to whether they're going to listen to him further or just pass it off as a story and not, not get involved in it. And I think that's because Jesus knows the heart of humanity, that we're emotional first. And that's why it's a good idea to get those emotions out of the way 1st And I'd say and,
1: emotions acknowledged first.
0: Yeah, yeah, because that's our starting point, is our emotional reaction that we have first cool i think that's everything thanks for listening we are supported by the wcf at this point during the coronavirus they are putting out a let's create project asking people to express their faith through different creative things so check out the website for that check out the other podcasts as well and uh, we'll see you next time bye Cheers.